We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Take your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. As you're turning, I really want to encourage you to be here next Sunday morning. Next Sunday morning is Memorial Day Sunday, and we're going to be honoring all veterans and those who have lost their lives in the service, as well as all active duty personnel. So please be here. It's going to be a great time. The service will be one hour next Sunday morning. We'll start at 1030. You'll be out at 1130, and we're going to honor those who deserve honor next Sunday morning. So if you're a veteran, or if you're currently serving in any branch of our military, be here next week and bring your family with you. It'll be a great time as we honor you and honor Jesus Christ as well. Acts chapter 2, I want to talk to you this morning for the next few minutes about living under the influence. Last week when I mentioned this was the title and the topic, several individuals says, we're going to be there. We want to hear this topic on drinking. All right, so you think about that for just a few moments, and, and we're going to proceed through this message. Acts chapter 2, you can have your Bibles open, and we'll get there in just a moment. The fifth grade teacher said to her class, I want all of you tomorrow to tell us a story that has a moral to it. So go home and ask your parents to tell you a story that you can repeat to us that has a moral. So the next day, the class came, and they began telling their stories, and it was the usual stuff, a penny saved, a penny earned, spilled milk, that kind of thing, till they got to the last little girl. And the teacher said, Janie, do you have a story? She said, yes, ma'am, I do. My daddy told me a story about my mommy last night. She said, my mommy was a marine pilot in Desert Storm, and sure, her plane got shot down, and she had to bail out. All she had was a flask of whiskey. Her, her, her pistol, her sidearm, and a K-bar knife. On the way down, she drank the whiskey because she was afraid the bottle would break. And when she landed, she landed right in the middle of 20 enemy troops. So she shot 15 of them until she ran out of ammunition. She took her K-bar and killed four more until the knife blade broke. And then she killed the last one with her bare hands. The teacher, kind of horrified, looked at her and said, Janie, does this story have a moral? It's horrible. She said, oh, yes, ma'am. My daddy said the moral to this story is you don't mess with mama when she's been drinking. (laughs) My prayer is before we leave this room today, the devil has marked every one of you and he said to his minions, don't mess with them because they've been drinking from the Holy Ghost. They're full of a supernatural fire and power, intoxicated with the spirit of the living God, living under the influence of the one who is great and mighty. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, the Bible records it this way, the words uh, that happened on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them divided tongues as of of fire, and set upon each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, when this sound occurred, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language, they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not these who speak Galileans? Now, to understand this, you need to understand the Galileans were the rednecks of the day. 
They understood these guys had no ability to do what was happening. Were not these all Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they're full of new wine. Father, in this room today, I pray that you fill us with the power of the Spirit of the living God. Empower us. Let us live under the influence of the one who is greater than us. You have sent your Holy Spirit and the same thing that happened to the 120 that caused those around them to say, what does this mean? Let it happen in us again today. Fill us with Holy Ghost fire, with passion, with a desire to speak your word and declare the wonderful works of God. So this morning, let's talk about living under the influence. Not under the influence of Jack Daniels, but under the influence of the Holy Spirit of the living God. And how that changes and affects our daily life. When we see the scripture this morning, they didn't really know what was going on, but others said they mocked them. They sneered at them. Listen to me. Here's a lesson all of us need to remember. Anytime we're living in the power of the Spirit of the living God, there will be some who choose to mock you who choose to make fun of you. Oh, come on, folks, don't worry about it. Let it go. If it happened to the apostles and they got through it, you will too. So we looked around and says, some says they're drunk. They're drunk. We don't understand this. It must be a natural explanation. And their explanation is they were drunk. They're filled with new wine. I mean, think about it. They sure sounded drunk because they can't do with the things they're doing. But Peter denied it. He said, no, it's not what you think. They are not drunk, but we're full of the Holy Ghost of a living God. So when you, when you see this passage, you realize it's the paradox of Pentecost. Because they said they were drunk, Peter said they were sober, yet their actions had changed. Their behavior was influenced by something greater. So when they ask the question, are you drunk? The answer is yes. When Peter said, we're not drunk, the answer is yes. You see, when the Holy Ghost fills your life, you will be changed. Your behavior will alter. The gift and the paradox of Pentecost is, yes, it changes the way you live, and it makes people wonder what's wrong with you. So let me ask you this morning, what intoxicates your life? What influence are you living under? Some people live under the umbrella of success. Like the guy I knew, he said, I was on the fast track to be the first partner, the youngest partner in my firm. I worked more hours, I billed more hours than anyone else. I wanted to be a success. Some, their intoxication or what influences their life is busyness and busyness. Think about it, exhaustion, working yourself to the bone. Filled with self-importance and a need to prove myself. For others, their influence or their intoxication is fear. Filled by self-doubt and self-criticism. For others, it's bigger toys and more toys. I want a bigger boat. I want twin engines. I want to breeze the open waters of the gulf. What intoxicates your life? For some, it's perfectionism. 
I've got to do it right. And if I can't do it right, I don't want to do it. I've got to have my life neatly organized. Everything has to be in its box. Nothing can be out of place. It has to be a beautifully wrapped package. And you spend your whole life trying to meet that perfectionism. For others, it's a need for approval. Intoxicated by what others think of me, by what others think of me and say about me. For others, it's an intoxication or an influence of knowledge. I've got to figure it all out. I've got to get the answers right. I've got to be at the head of the class every single time. What is it that influences your lives and drives your passion? You see, when we understand Pentecost frees us from those other intoxicants and takes us to a place where we live a life that is influential and powerful and submitted to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we ought to run to Him and say, fill my soul with fire one more time. You see, we need to understand that when we come to Christ, hear me and listen to me. When we come to Christ, when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, that's the beginning. It's not where it all ends, it's where it all starts. That's like being born as a brand new baby. Like these two babies we dedicated this morning. They started at the time they were born, but their life is all yet ahead of them. And I assure you, those two infants will not stay the way they are today. They're going to grow. They're going to develop. They're going to experience personalities. They'll know likes and dislikes. They will have those individuals that they gravitate to and those they gravitate away from. What am I saying? I'm saying it's not about just getting saved. Yes, we all need to be saved. But listen, folks, that's where you start. It's not where you end. We have got to live a life that is continually progressing. Let me use the word transforming into the image and the likeness of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the only way that happens is when he sets a fire down in my soul. When the Holy Spirit begins to burn in me, when He purifies me, when He cleanses me, when He convicts me, when He teaches me, when He trains me, when He disciples me, when He leads me and guides me and directs me, then I become like Jesus Christ. But outside of the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's not going to happen. Oh, somebody I'll be shouting today say, God, set a fire in my soul. I need to change. You see, if we understand transformation, we understand I'm not the same guy I was a year ago. I'm not the same guy I was a month ago. I'm not the same guy I was a week ago. I'm not the same guy I was when I got up at 6 o'clock this morning because God is doing something on the inside of me that reflects on the outside. He is changing me moment by moment, day by day, conforming me to His image and to His likeness. If you weren't here a month or so ago, I preached two messages from Romans 12, 1 and 2. Buy the CDs, get the tapes. You need to hear about your reasonable service, which is being conformed to the image of the living God. See, we understand when the Holy Spirit indwells us, He invokes a work of transformation in our lives. And when we're living under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we are changed day by day, moment by moment, into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, we never become Him. Please understand that. We never become God. Please understand that. But we can stand and say, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. He parted the waters and made a way right through it. I'm a child of God. As the Holy Spirit transforms us day by day. So very quickly, four things you'll notice. When we're living under the influence of the Holy Spirit, He affects our character, or confidence, pardon me. He affects our confidence. 
We read the passage that happened when Pentecost occurred, but we stopped at verse 13. You need to read verses 14 and following. Because verses 14 and following says that Peter stood and he said with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. These are not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men are going to dream dreams and see visions. Oh, it goes on to say, upon your servants and upon your handmaids, what's he saying? Every strata of society, it doesn't matter your class, it doesn't matter your ethnicity, it doesn't matter your culture or the language you speak, the promise of the infilling of the Holy Ghost is for every. According to Peter on the day of Pentecost, when he quoted from the prophet Joel chapter 2, he said, it's not what you think. These guys are not drunk on new wine, but they've been drinking from the Holy Ghost. And then he proceeded to preach a very powerful message that's recorded in Acts chapter 2 that caused those listening to say, what do we need to do? Or do you understand when the Holy Spirit is flowing in and through your life, when you are filled with His power and with His presence, it causes those around you to notice and say, what do I have to do to get what you've got? I'm not sure I believe that, you say. You should. Because when you can have peace in the midst of the storms of life, Angela, when you can walk and walk and walk every day, not knowing the answer and not knowing the outcome, but you can be filled with peace and know that God is in control and he's got Maurice in the palm of his hand, it causes those around you, it causes doctors and nurses and aides to say, I don't know what she's got, but I want some of that. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. We need to understand today that when we can live in the middle of a storm with peace, And with confidence, others notice that. When we can stand in the midst of false accusation and not bend and not break, people say, what that person got that I don't have? Why are they not giving in? Why are they not breaking under that weight? Oh, listen, it brings confidence, confidence over our past, confidence over our failures, confidence over our impulses when we're filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, this is a truth. Someone in this room needs to hear it. There are those who look at you and say, you're not qualified for the kingdom. You can't do what God has asked you to do. Not because they think God has disqualified you, but because their measure, their ideology, their definition of who can work and fit in the kingdom of God, it does not align with the word of God. I've got news for you. If you're blood washed, if you're spirit filled, you're qualified. It doesn't matter where you came from. And with confidence, you can stand and declare the wonderful works of a living God. Peter wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a scholar. Are you kidding me? The dude was a fisherman. On top of that, he was a failure. He had never been to seminary. He had never studied homiletics or hermeneutics. He didn't know how to interpret scripture. He didn't know how to put a message together. So when he stood on the day of Pentecost, you need to understand that wasn't Peter speaking. That was the Holy Spirit of the living God speaking through him to bring conviction and change. What am I saying? I'm saying you may not have the pedigree. You may not have the degrees. You may not have the history or the background. Maybe you didn't grow up in church, but I'm here to tell you when the Holy Spirit of the living God fills your life, you're qualified. 
God gives you confidence. God gives you confidence. But when you read Acts, it didn't stop with just one sermon. Man, something happened in Peter that revolutionized this guy. Turned him inside out all for the better. And Acts chapter 3 said to the Sanhedrin, You know what? Should we listen to God or should we listen to you? You be the judge. After being threatened with being beaten for speaking in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4, he said, hey, it's better to obey God. Or Acts chapter 5, it's better to obey God rather than to obey man. Acts chapter 10, this is where I really wanted to get with this point. Peter was so transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, it changed the way he thought. You say, I don't think you can prove that scripturally. I'm glad you said that. I love a challenge. Go back to John chapter 4. Jesus and his disciples were in a little place called Samaria, near the city of Sychar. They came there about noon, and the disciples went into the city to get something for lunch. And Jesus stayed at the well, Jacob's well. And there was a woman there who was a Samaritan. And Jesus said to her, will you give me something to drink? Now listen. He he said, will you give me something to drink? And she said, how is it that you being a Jew, ask something from me who's a Samaritan? She understood that the Jews were very, very prejudiced against the Samaritans. She understood that in the eyes of a good Jew, she was a little lower than a dog. She wasn't worthy of recognition. She wasn't worthy of attention. My goodness, a Jew in her whole life had never even spoken to her unless it was to take advantage of her. And Peter and the other disciples, after this conversation, came back with lunch And the Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 27, they wondered, why is he talking to a Samaritan? But it also says they didn't say anything. What does that tell me? That tells me they had the same prejudices that every other Jew had, but they were smart enough by that time to keep their mouth shut. Listen, here's the application. You may be filled up with prejudice and you just keep your mouth shut. I'm here to tell you, that's not the will of God. That's not who God wants you to be. That's not the way God wants you to act. You should be able to look at our brother or sister, no matter the color, their creed, their culture, their origin, and love them in the love of Jesus Christ. You should be able to throw your arms around them, pray over them, and pray for them. Oh, come on, folks. It's time the church stops seeing color and begin lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. We need to understand the things happening in America today are here to divide our nation. We need to understand this whole aspect of prejudice that's rising again is here only to divide our nation. And if there's an entity, an institution that's going to stand against it, it has got to be the church of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter the language you speak. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what you eat on a daily basis. When we come to the cross, we're all one. You're my brother. You're my sister. I'll stand before the devil and fight for you. I'll lift your name before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and declare his purposes and his will over your life. Oh, come on, church. It's time to get past it and be the church of Jesus Christ. What's all that got to do with Peter? Well, John 4, he was prejudiced. Acts chapter 10, he found himself in the city of Joppa. And it says he went up on the rooftop to pray, and he was very hungry. And while they were preparing lunch, he began to pray. And he saw a vision, or he had a vision. 
And lowered from heavens in a sheet was every animal of every kind. And God said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, no, 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 no. I've never touched anything unclean or common, and I'm not going to start right now. Jewish prejudice and law was driving his life. Even though he had been redeemed, listen, somebody needs to get this. He had been redeemed. He had been filled with the Holy Ghost. But there was still something in him that wasn't pleasing to the Father. Oh, come on, church. When the Holy Ghost begins moving in your work life, it's a work of transformation. And he will reveal day by day things that need to be taken out of your life. People that need to be out of your circle of influence so that he can put in what he wants in you. Three times the Bible says that happened. Three times. And then there was a knock on the door. And there were these Gentiles who were like the Samaritans in the Jews' eye. Not fit for the kingdom, not worthy of the kingdom. Saying... There's a devout man by the name of Cornelius. He is actually a Greek. He's a centurion. And he's asked that you come. God showed him to send us here and get somebody named Simon Peter and bring him to his house. The Bible says Peter brought him in and he realized at that moment that's why the vision occurred. God was trying to get me past something so he could put me in something. Oh, come on, church, hear it. God was getting him past his prejudices so he could put him into a new wave, a wave of the Holy Ghost that wasn't limited to Jews and converts to Judaism that was opening up to the whole world, Jew and Gentile. So the next day they went down to the household of Cornelius and Peter began to preach Jesus. And while he was preaching, this is what I love, this is the Holy Ghost. While he was preaching, the Bible says that the Spirit of God fell on the members of Cornelius' household, and they began to speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter said, hey, the same thing that happened to us happened to them. Can we deny them baptism and accept us into the kingdom? Oh, come on, church, hear me. When you get full of the Holy Ghost, he's going to take some things out so he can put some things in. You need to get that today. You need to understand that this thing of being full of the Holy Spirit is an inside job. Why are we filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? One reason, that we might be witnesses. Now, I'm sorry to disappoint those of you that are in this place and you think the Holy Spirit's all about dancing and jumping and shouting and spinning and twirling flags and having a great old Holy Ghost hoedown. That's not what it's about. Sometimes that's the evidence, but it's not what it's about. It's not about the gifts. It's not about speaking in tongues. Why do we receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses? Some of you need to let him come and fill you with fire so he takes out your fear and fills you with a word that's going to be fitly spoken in the eyes of your family, your coworkers, your friends, those around you when you're filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Number two. Look at it with me. The power and the fire of the Holy Spirit, the influence of the Spirit, affects our character. What does Hebrew 13, 6 say? I will not fear what man can do to me. God is my helper. Oh, come on. Somebody needs to get that this morning. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Peter said to the Sanhedrin, we ought to obey God rather than man. In other words, when you're filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit, it gives you a backbone. It enables you to stand. It gives you character. Fills you with integrity when the fire of the Holy Spirit is moving in your life. 
I mean, this gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift that will leave you completely in surprise when you understand what He does in you and through you. Remember, initially, this crowd thought they were all drunk. Well, so much for the reputation. It was out the window. So much for the respectability. They had none in the eyes of this crowd. But it didn't deter Peter, the apostles, and the rest of the 120 from proclaiming the truth of God's word. They grew a backbone. Oh, listen to me. Sometime from the time Jesus was crucified until he rose back up. And 10 days later, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, this group grew a backbone. They were filled with character and integrity. They said, we'd rather be judged by man than judged by God. Come on, folks. It's time we adopted that philosophy. I don't care what you think of me. Because you probably don't have all the information. But I care what he thinks of me because he has all the information. He knows me better than I know myself. I'd rather be judged by man today than judged by God for all of eternity. We need to understand he fills us with integrity. God looks on the outward, or man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Those words God gave to Samuel when he was looking for a new king over Israel. God sent him, you'll remember, down to Bethlehem to the household of Jesse. Jesse had eight sons. For some reason, he only lined up seven of them. He left one of them out in the field with the sheep. But as Samuel was looking at these guys, man, they fit the bill. They were tall, they were strong, they were handsome. They had what they needed to be a king. They looked like Saul. They looked like the last king of Israel. And this is what God said to him, it's none of these guys, because I'm not looking at their outward appearance, I'm looking at the condition of the heart. Oh, somebody needs to get this. You don't have to be beautiful. You don't have to sing like a songbird. You don't have to be eloquent. But if you will submit yourself into the hand of the living God, He will put something in you that will cause those around you to recognize the presence of God. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. And get full of the power of the Holy Ghost. Stop bemoaning where you're at and what you've been through and begin to use it as a testimony to the power of a living God. Oh, come on, folks. I'm not here to give the devil his due, but I'm here to praise Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, he pulled me out of a miry pit. He set my feet upon the rock. He gave me courage. He gave me confidence. He grew a backbone in me. And I'm going to praise his name. He'll do the same for everybody in this room. Everybody in this room, the Holy Spirit is a fire that helps us, causes us, that's a better way to say it, causes us to continue when everybody else says quit. When everybody else says give it up, oh, that fire burning inside of us just won't let us do it. What did the prophet say? He said, I determined I would speak no more in his name. But there was a fire shut up in my bones and I could not be silent. What's he talking about? He's talking about the spirit of God that infills you to the degree that you won't be the person you were. You may have been a quitter, but you're not a quitter anymore. When the Holy Ghost fills your heart and fills your life, he fills you with character, character. This last week, actually, let me back up. When we had a work day here in March, I think it was the first Saturday of March, I turned my ankle. I've sprained my ankle more times than I can count. It wasn't a big deal. I've got two friends, ice and ibuprofen. They always get me through it, you know. 
no big deal. So I did my regimen with my friends. Swelling went down. Pain was diminishing. I'm good. And then the next time I did something that was a little bit strenuous, boom, it pops back up again. This went on for two months. Finally, my wife convinced me I should go see a doctor. I'm very hard-headed. Understand that. Ice and ibuprofen, they've always done it for me. So I went, they did an x-ray, they referred me to the orthopedic clinic. As I was standing in line there to check in, they have a check-in counter here, and over about 20 feet, there's where you exit and pay and check out and set your next appointment. There was two or three people ahead of me in the line. I was just standing there, knew I was going to be there for a while. And all of a sudden, I heard a voice that sounded remotely familiar, so I looked across the way to that other counter. And there was a lady who had got saved here two or three months ago. And uh, I knew her on the surface. Didn't know her personally, didn't know her well. Just knew her name and knew who she was. Knew she came to church here. And she set her next appointment and turned to walk away, and all of a sudden she turned around. She came back and said to those two little ladies there at the desk, she said, I am so sorry for the way I have treated you. I've been rude, I've been ugly, I've been mean, and I am so, so sorry. They tried to brush it off. Well, people are that way when they're in pain. We understand it. She said, no, there's no excuse for that kind of behavior. I'm sorry for mistreating you. And something began to grow in me. I wanted to shout, that's the Holy Ghost. She's being changed day by day, transformed into his image and in his likeness. Oh, come on, folks. When God gets a hold of you, he changes your everyday life. He changes your everyday circumstances and situations. When she got full of the Holy Ghost, when she began walking that road of transformation, she was free from her past, from the intoxication of herself, and she was filled with compassion and concern for somebody around her. I'm here to tell you, when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, He affects your character. Number three, when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, He affects your courage. Your courage. You can read it in Acts chapter 6 and 7, story of Stephen. Stephen was one of the 120, but he wasn't one of the 12. The Bible tells me he was chosen as a deacon, one who would serve those in Jerusalem who are serving Christ. And it says, you can read it in Acts 6, that he was a man full of faith and power. Many miraculous signs and wonders were done through his hand. And then you'll find that the Sanhedrin, again, those religious folks, If you haven't figured it out by now, I have no tolerance for religious people. If you're one of those, you need to get right with God. Because your religion is going to send you to hell. Only Jesus Christ can take you to heaven. So let go of those rules and regulations that have bound you up your entire life and walk in the liberty and the freedom that comes in knowing a living God. Religious folks brought him in. Hey, is all this stuff true that they're saying about you? And then you need to read those two chapters because Stephen preaches what I think is the greatest sermon of the New Testament and of the New Testament church. He starts with Abraham and he takes him all the way down through the resurrection. He doesn't miss a point. He tells them all about it. And he said, the one that you murdered is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And when they heard that, it says they were cut to the heart, they were convicted, But their conviction resulted in anger towards Stephen, and they decided to kill him. So they took him outside of the city, and they began to stone him. 
And the Bible says these words in chapter 7, verses 59 and 60 of the book of Acts. As they stoned Stephen, he was calling on God, saying, Lord, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. I remember some other guy that was murdered who used similar words. I think it was Jesus who said, lay not this sin to their charge. What does it tell me? It tells me that through the time that Stephen had been filled with the Holy Spirit, that he was transformed so much so that when he was facing a certain death, he wasn't doing so in fear or in anger, but in perfect peace, knowing God had that cover. Removed all fear and it gave him courage. We're living in a day and a time when the church needs to be courageous. When the church needs to stand up. We're living in a day and a time when culture will run roughshod over anyone who dares raise the flag of Jesus Christ. Oh folks, it's time for you and I to grow a backbone, to get filled with the character of God and stand with courage in an evil society. I applaud anyone who's a born-again believer, who's filled with the Spirit of God, and who says, I want to run for an elected office. I applaud that. That's what we need. Men and women of God who are willing to put themselves in the line of fire. Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men, listen to it, good men to do nothing. Oh, would you agree with me the church has done nothing long enough? It's time to stand up and step up and be men and women of God filled with courage, not worrying about the consequence, but declaring the message of the Most High God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, most of you are familiar with him. He was a Lutheran pastor when Hitler began to occupy Germany. And he spoke these words, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Oh, I want you to hear that this morning. We can no longer be silent at the church of Jesus Christ. We've got to stand up, speak up, and let our voices be heard. Come on. We're letting a very small minority in this country turn the tide of our country. It's time for the church to stand up and speak up. You're just an intolerant bigot. No, that's not true. God loves everybody. But God has also provided a way of escape from sinful lifestyles for everybody. And we need to understand we have to avail ourselves to that way of escape. What happened when Stephen preached? They were convicted. What happened when Peter preached? They said, what must we do? Are you hearing me? When the church lifts the true message of the true gospel, people will be convicted. Some will say you're just a bunch of foolish nonsense. You're all drunk. You're all crazy. But others are going to say, what do we have to do? It's not the church's role to decide who's going to make it in and out of heaven. That's God's. It's the church's role to lift up a standard of righteousness, to preach Jesus Christ, to show love and grace and mercy to everyone who comes through our doors, but to help them understand there is only one way to heaven, that's through Jesus. And it's not the way you convert it, pollute it, twist it to fit your own lifestyle. Maybe you've never heard of Martin Nolmeyer. He was also a Lutheran pastor, a contemporary of Bonhoeffer's. Matter of fact, when you read his history, he was actually in favor of Hitler and his regime 
when it started in Germany. But somewhere down the line, the lights came on and he realized this isn't a good thing. And this is what he said. First, they came for the socialists and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Next, they came for the trade unions and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a member of the trade union. Then they came for the Jews and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. But when they came for me, there was no one left to speak out. Church, it's time to stand up and speak out. Holy Ghost, fill us with courage. Don't let us back down. Don't let us bow down. Don't let us run and retreat. Fill us with courage. Give us a backbone that allows us to stand in this society and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And it doesn't matter who likes it or doesn't. And understand everybody won't. Matter of fact, I've debated about saying this, but I'm going to say it. And I know probably somebody's going to be offended. Well, if you haven't been already, you shouldn't be over this. But I get it. We kind of pick and choose what offends us, right? Listen to me. This is the house of God. We have men's restrooms and we have women's restrooms. We are not going to go down the lie of culture and society and open the door to whoever or whatever and whatever they identify with. Now listen, those of you who may not know me, I grew up on a farm in Oklahoma. We worked cattle. If you don't know what that means, you ask your neighbor. Maybe they do. I grew up working cattle, making bull steers. So listen to me. If you try, if you're, if you're a guy with boy parts and you go to the women's restroom, there's a high likelihood you're going to leave a eunuch because I still carry a sharp knife. Come on. It's time for the church to take a stand. This is the house of God. It will not be polluted by the culture of today. If that offended you, stand up. I'm not going to apologize. I just want to know who you are. Just kidding. God, give us courage. Give us people who will speak for God, who will uphold the word of God, who will pick up the sword of the spirit and rush into battle. Who will stand for the name that is above every name. See, because what happened on the day of Pentecost still can happen today. The power of the Holy Ghost transcends time and space and circumstances. So what he did for Peter and the 120, he'll do for you and me today. And lastly, Tom, will you come back? Lastly, when we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it affects our community. Those around us. You can read it in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. All who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among us all as everyone had need. I'm not suggesting we do that, but I am suggesting we need to be aware of our community. We need to be aware of those around us. We need to be aware that everyone is not as privileged and fortunate as you and I are. We need to understand that not everybody has a roof over their head and three hot meals a day unless they're in jail. We need to understand there is a need out there. And it's a need that has a vacuum, a void, because the church has stood down instead of standing up. Oh, come on, church. We need to understand it's okay for folks with sin issues to come into this place because the only hope for their transformation is the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. It's okay for somebody with a checkered past to walk into this place and worship God with us and come to the saving, transforming knowledge of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's okay for somebody who hadn't had a shower in three days that's living under the bridge or back 
back in the trees to walk in this building and receive words of life and leave a changed person. Come on. That affects our community. I've been saying it for two and a half years. One of these days, it's going to soak in. God didn't call us to come in here and celebrate and pat each other on the back. He called us to go. He has sent us into all the world. First in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. What does Pentecost do? It affects our community. It changes those around us. Listen, if what you have doesn't affect those around you you need the Holy Ghost fire you need to get under his influence you need to be in that place where God can begin to flow you flow through you and use you in a powerful way how is it that we can complacently sit in our air-conditioned church when 10,000 people stand up Yvonne 10,000 people. Stand up, Dr. Davis. 10,000 people. Stand up, Gwen. 10,000 people. Stand up, Daniel. 10,000 people. Stand up, Chris. 10,000 people. Stand up, Calvin. 10,000 people. Stand up, Carol. 10,000 people. Stand up, Michael. Right there, stand up, Michael. 10,000 people. Every hour. People that look just like these folks. 10,000 people every hour cross the threshold of eternity. And they perish into a devil's hell. There is no salvation. There is no recourse. There is no do-over. They're gone forever separated from God. How is it that we can sit in our air-conditioned sanctuaries? That we can sing our songs? That we can say what a great service that was? How is it that we're not moved with the lost? That we're not moved with compassion for the perishing? How is it that we can be so lackadaisical so unconcerned we laugh at the homeless guy we laugh at the drunkard we make jokes about the drug addicts how is it that we become so calloused that the heart of the father doesn't beat within us within us i'll tell you why because we're not living under the influence if you're under the influence of the holy ghost you can't stand by you can't be silent you can't come to church for an hour a week and say i've done my duty oh when the holy ghost and fire gets in you you go you go you go you say i'm sent i'm sent to my neighborhood i'm sent to my workers i'm sent to those in this city i'm sent to africa i'm sent to costa rica i'm sent i'm on a mission to bring as many as I can into the kingdom. That's what happens when you live under the influence. Stand with me across this room. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. But you live under the influence. I'd be amiss this morning if I didn't take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to bring to fruition what he's been doing in hearts and lives in this room. You see, I believe from the first song,
Holy Spirit has been convicting people, showing people they need to do something. And I believe there's people in this room who are saying, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? What do we need to do? What you need to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Ask Him to forgive you, to transform you, to cleanse you, to remove you from your life of sin, to give you hope and a destiny and a future through Jesus Christ. So you're here this morning as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around but me. And by raising your hand, you say, I need Jesus. I want to be forgiven. I want to be changed. Right now, put your hand up across this room. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, front to back. Yes, yes, yes. Others. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.